everyone. Welcome to the JLD Entertainment Podcast. I am Jacqueline Lee Elliott, and today's guest is Darcy McDonald, digital NRL reporter at Fox Sports Australia, formerly a dancer who made the transition into sports journalism. And it's been a roller coaster for the majority of people who work in the NRL. So we're here to discuss it all, and I hope you enjoy. Here she is. Hello, and welcome, Miss Darcy McDonald. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm That's happy the season's good. over. How are you? Oh my God, I bet. I've got so many questions for you. How did you navigate through the second lockdown period when everyone jumped ship and relocated? It was totally fine, to be honest. I think because we had this lockdown period last year and that was the time where things were different, where so pre very first COVID lockdown, you know, we went to the office and we did covered every shift from the office. And then when that lockdown happened last year, we all of a sudden had to learn um, how to work from home and use our programs that we would use to get stories onto the website um, and our game day coverage, learn how to do that from home. So when this lockdown hit, um, it was, it's been a pretty smooth transition um, there were frantic moments, I guess, because there, this year, this season was weird. Like you said, when everyone located to Queensland, it didn't impact us because Fox didn't send any of our, like the digital reporters up. I think they sent one on air reporter, um, up there, but digital wise, we just covered it all from home. So things were changing all the time in terms of the news cycle. Um, but we were so well equipped from last year's lockdown that it, kind of yeah it was pretty pretty easy um you know it it was quite easy to cover the news cycle from home because of online like twitter other news sites and everything are breaking the news and we can then chase it up and and go from there so yeah i've been pretty blessed like i haven't had to uproot my life or do anything like that i've been able to cover cover it all the only inconvenience was i have one tv and my boyfriend hates it when he wants to just turn off the TV after like after a game and you know switch on something else, and I'm like, no, I have to cover the you know the post game panel show, and he's oh like, oh gosh. <laughs> and you were also on the ground at a lot mm. of games uh, that I saw, so that would have been different for you also because you had finally kind of had a chance to get on the ground and have some yeah. interviews, and then yeah, that was that was pretty devastating because I'd waited so long to get my opportunity to do sideline reporting for New South Wales Cup. And for anybody who doesn't know that, that's like the reserve grade, this, you know, the second tier competition to the NRL. And I had been pushing for so long and I finally got the green light this year. Would It was meant to happen last year, but that season didn't go ahead because of COVID. So this year we're like, great, COVID's done, it's happening. Um, and I did, I think, half a season, maybe 15 rounds or so. And it was a dream come true for me, which is why I was so busy because I did it on my um, days off. And I did all my like, I did would do like eight hours of research before every game on my days off or my downtime. So I, I really poured everything into it. So it was something I was extremely proud of and valued a lot. Um, but when the second, this lockdown happened and COVID hit, um, that competition was put on hold. So I, at the time, I was kind of on a hamster wheel where I was, you know, working on my digital, in my digital role until like midnight one night. And then I'd have to be on the ground for sideline at say 8am the next day. And I'm getting up and I'm taking pre-workout and I'm reading over my notes with, um, eye cream on trying to get rid of the bags. So I was in a bit of a, on a hamster wheel. So when the lockdown happened and it was meant to be for two weeks or so we thought, um, a little part of me, I was sad, but a little part of me was like, 
probably need this little breather just to take stock um, and get some sleep and kind of yeah. look. I didn't really have a chance to, you know, when you start something new, you want to look back at what you've achieved and embrace it and take it in, but also be able to take notes, see where you can improve. I feel like I didn't have a chance to do that. Um, so when this lockdown happened, I thought, great, that's my time. I'll do that. So I was, I did that and then it got extended to four months or however long it's been. And, and the season was completely canceled. And I just thought, Oh my God, my dream that I have waited so long and worked so hard for and poured so many hours into, um, just got taken away from me so quickly. And I know like I'm so grateful because there are people that have lost jobs. Um, throughout COVID altogether. And I'm still, I've still got my role as, as a full-time digital reporter. So I'm eternally grateful and I'm hope, hopeful that next season I'll get another chance at doing um, sideline reporting. But it was just kind of like, ah, you know, five oh, steps no. forward, 10 another, steps back. <laughs> I know, another hit. But, yeah, fingers crossed it's much more positive mm. next season. You'll get there. You'll I hope get so. There. <laughs> Before you got into journalism, you were also a dancer and performer. Mm. And we touched on this last year when we tried to do this podcast <laughs> and then life just opened it back up life again happened. and we all just <laughs> went back onto the hamster wheel, as you mentioned. Yes. But yeah, you were a dancer and performer. So tell us a bit about that background. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a special time of my life. But I grew up, I mean, I think I started dancing. I would have been whew, five or six, I think. And I did. I did the works, ballet, jazz, contemporary, the stretch classes, the Pilates classes, like my life was dancing and I did it, all the Estedfords and I was known as the dancer at school. And then um, when I graduated year 12, I think I, I applied for uni, got in, but I didn't want to go. I went and did a two-year full-time course at Evan Bow in ballet and contemporary. And then um, the deal was with my parents, you can only do that dance course if you go to uni. So after my two years at, um, at Edinburgh, I went to uni and started my comms degree. Um, but I still danced on the side. So I, as a child growing up a mad Bulldogs fan, my lifelong dream was to be a Bulldogs cheerleader and put it in my little year six yearbook. Um, it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a Bulldogs cheerleader. And, you know, I had bushy eyebrows and teeth out here. And I'm sure everyone read <laughs> it was like, okay, sweetheart, like good luck with that. Um, but I did it and I got there as soon as I turned 18, I auditioned. And that was like the pinnacle for me um, because I grew up watching the cheerleaders and I thought they were just the damn coolest thing ever. Um, so I did that for five years. And then on the side, I also danced at um, a lot of nightclubs like uh, Pasha at the Ivy Establishment home nightclub um, and lots of random little events. And like, honestly, it was the best times of my life because you got to perform and you got to dance at nightclubs basically like everybody else, but you got paid to do it and you got to wear the coolest costumes and make, I've made lifelong friends from those experiences. And I always say, it's funny because when I started to get into journalism, a lot of people told me, um, don't bring up your dancing background because you won't be taken seriously. And I was like, no, like I'm proud of my dancing background and I don't think I would be where I am without it because I learned so much about resilience in dancing and how to take criticism on board and apply it to your craft and also about how to present yourself and be confident and, you know, perform essentially when you're on air as much as you want to be natural, you're also essentially performing. So yeah. I learned all those skills through dancing. So it's it's such an important part of my life. and. I'd love to dance again. <laughs> I, I know. know. I can't do the splits anymore. 
I haven't danced in months now and I don't dance professionally anymore. I just choreograph and teach, but I haven't danced in ages and you miss it. Like I understand you miss it. Yes. I know because it's such a big part of your life. Yeah. It's a massive chunk of your life. hundred percent. I still listen to like songs and I'm going for a walk and I'm still, you know, creating dances in my head. (laughs) Yeah. It will never go. I don't think. Um, isn't it funny when you mentioned when someone said, don't bring up your dance career, mm. if you want to do journalism, mm. there was an article that came out last year when they, I think, paracut their team. Mm-hmm. And Nat Sinclair was a, a big contributor to that article yep. and she had danced for Panthers yep. and she wanted to be a lawyer and uh, people had said to her, don't bring it up that you're a cheerleader or you, you probably won't work in the field that you want to because... Mm. That's, you know, you're on that squad. And she ended up working for their major sponsor, Brighton's mm-hmm. Lawyers. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so, ironic? <laughs> yeah, it blew my mind. I know. It's, yeah. I always tell everybody, you know, cheerleading, dance, everything like that. It, it, only good things can come out of it. Like you learn so many life skills that you, you don't pick up anywhere else. Um, just in performing and like my, I got a, a media, um, an internship in the Bulldogs media team when I finished cheerleading. I wouldn't have gotten that if I hadn't made yeah. the connections and contacts through cheerleading. So, exactly right. The contacts. Con- yeah. I've got, still got contacts that I use and call on now as a journalist that I made while I was a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> why would I, why would, how could I explain my contacts if I don't explain my background? Yeah. No, I love that. What motivated you to get into sports journalism? I always thought that I didn't know what I, I wanted to do it until I went to uni, but I recall being in primary school and like I grew up in a footy mad family. Like I spent every weekend at Bulldogs games. My brother played footy as well. And so our lives revolved around footy. And so I was really invested in it from a young age. Um, but I remember in primary school uh, at the end of your talent quest, I rallied together all my friends and randoms from my grade to do the footy show, the channel nine footy show. <laughs> and, <laughs> and naturally I um, announced myself as, as fatty, the, the host. And so it's funny. Cause like I forgot about that. And someone has asked me a similar question and I was like, I think, I think I wanted to do it all along. I just, I was a kid back then. So I didn't know. I just thought, oh, this would be so much fun. Um, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't really know what I wanted to do during school. And then I knew I wanted to be a cheerleader, but I think growing up, there wasn't that many women based in, you know, working in rugby league. So it was hard to look at someone and go, that's what I want to do. So when I went to uni, I actually started in a marketing degree, just completely clueless about what I wanted to do, where I could go. I was kind of just doing it for the sake of having a uni degree because everyone says, you know, they're important. Um, and I remember I ended up uh, transferring over to a comms degree because it was a bit more broad. Um, and I did my first journalism subject and I had this really awesome um, tutor. And one of our first assignments was you had to do like a, a four-story project. And I and you had to have a title and everything like a theme. And I think I did. Um, it was called Le- uh, In Her Own League. And I interviewed four different people in um, the NRL. I think I interviewed a-, a girl that I used to cheerlead with and she went over to London, ended up cheerleading over there. And 
Um, I interviewed uh, another girl that was working in community stuff at the Bulldogs. And then I interviewed um, Raylene Castle, who was the Bulldogs CEO at the time. And then I also interviewed this lady, um, Catherine Lumby, who was like a, a culture women's advisor for the NRL at the time. And I had a fantastic chat with them. And I remember, I think I got close to full marks on the, on the project and my, and my tutor said, Oh my goodness, I, um, I think you've got a scoop because I had found out that Catherine Lumby was about to start working with the Australian Defence Force. And I thought, and I got this little thrill in me like, Oh, Oh, this is actually quite fulfilling. This is really cool. But at the time, so that was around 2013. I, there was a lot of, there were women, definitely. And I think I probably was probably naive and a little ignorant that I didn't, I didn't dig deep enough to know that there was enough women, but I just took notice of the ones that were planted in front of us. And that was someone like Erin Mullen. She was just starting to break into um, TV. And so she was all I really knew of and, and, and Lara Pitt as well, but I didn't, there wasn't as many. So I kind of just wasn't, I didn't know if I could make it. I didn't, I didn't know what I had that nobody else had or, you know, what makes me different or makes me good enough to make it. Um, so I just kind of kept pushing along and, and I did ha- and I noticed that uni, um, that there was hardly anyone that wanted to do sports journalism, which I thought was fascinating. And I was the only girl as well. And I thought, okay, I'll just keep, you know, ticking along, but it was something that I, enjoyed writing about and I'm passionate about so it was a bit of a no-brainer I enjoy writing but I don't really want to write about finance I don't want to write about you know politics I don't really want to write about current affairs um I enjoy writing about sport and I have an opinion and I've watched it my whole life so it just kind of naturally happened um that's how I wanted to get into it but Getting into it was a whole nother story because it's such a tough industry to crack. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, how did you chip away? Yeah. Well, um, I think when I finished, like I mentioned, when I finished cheerleading, I um, was lucky enough to start an internship with the Bulldogs media team. And I was able to write like a couple of little stories here and there for the website, which was a great little opportunity to find your feet um, because it's so daunting having to do face-to-face interviews with um, NRL players. You think you're, you think you're all right and then you, you know, you do it and you don't want to sound stupid. I think maybe that might have been my insecurity of being a female journalist. I wanted to come across like I knew what I was talking about. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to shoot myself in the foot and look like an idiot because I was nervous. Um, so that was a really good, uh, comfortable, nurturing environment to start that. And then I applied for every single job in journalism I'm talking not even just for you know lifestyle everything and I got knocked back on every single one I can't tell you how many jobs I got rejected for um so then I thought all right I'm just going to pick a company that I want to work for and I will find any job and I'll start there and while I'm in that job, I'll start networking. And um, lo and behold, there was a role that popped up at Fox Sports on reception. Um, and it said in the job job description, a perfect opportunity for a budding journalist. And I thought, this is me. So I went for that job, um, got the job, and I was on reception for 18 months. And it was still to this day probably the most important job I've ever had because I made so many contacts there because you learn the company from the ground up. 
everybody has to talk to the receptionist. I mean, we order, we order your stationery, like we sign for your packages. If you want your package, you have to talk to us. Um, so I met all the important people and I always dropped in there what I wanted to be and my background and, and, um, and I would go down and do things like I reached out to like the news department. I'd go down and, and sit in on their morning news meetings. I would go down and do um, Fox Sports News used to be in the building. And I would start my reception shift at 8 a.m., but I would go in at 5 a.m. and go down and run the auto queue for three hours. Wow, Fox News. <laughs> and then I'd go up to reception and, um, and work my eight-hour shift. And then um, – I reached out to the digital team, which is, you know, who I work for now. And I asked if I could just write some articles, you know, once a week, can I pitch you an idea and write an article in my own time? You know, I just want to get my name out there. And they said, yes. And it's actually quite amazing. My first article I wrote was in women in league round, which is yeah. quite special, especially because when, when I look back at that, I always think, you know, how cool is it that my very first published article on a site like Fox sports, I got to talk about my story which I think is so unique what journalists get to do that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, after doing that for a while, um, I remember I'm, I think when I was in uni, I actually put forward this idea to big league, um, the big league magazine. They used to run the cheerleader of the year competition. And I think I put forward to them, they used to have this little lift out called little league. And I said to them, well, why don't you have something called like cheer league and, you know, just a little lift out on the cheerleaders each week. And, you know, they end up saying we don't have the budget or we don't have the, the room in the, in the magazine, or whatever. But I kind of, because I'd made that initial contact and then because my name was starting to pop up on Fox Sports, they ended up getting in co- contact with me and, um, said that they've got a six month contract, um, for, you know, a young journalist. So in, in a way I kind of got headhunted and then I went over there and did, um, six months turned into a year. Um, and then, yeah, that was basically it. <laughs> How good's that? You are a little hustler. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually funny. Like, it, I actually after about a year, at, oh, it might not have been a year, just under a year at big league, I had a bit of a um, like I don't know if it's a quarter life crisis. <laughs> I felt like I was worried I wasn't going to be able to get anywhere as a journalist. I didn't back my ability. And I thought that it wasn't a sustainable career path. So I ended up leaving and I went into um, just a normal digital comms role at Foxtel, um, nothing to do with sport. And I did six months in that role and I worked with the most lovely people. It was an awesome job, great environment. I had the best boss, um, but there was something in me that just didn't feel I did, wasn't having that little thrill that I mentioned about, you know, my, my uni assignment where I got really good marks and had got a scoop. I wasn't getting that little thrill. And funnily enough, um, I got an email one day from the lady that uh, is the head of wardrobe at Fox Sports. And that's a contact that I'd made while working on reception. And she came to me and she said, look, we need someone to hand out and present the trophies at the Dally M's on yes. stage. And, you know, as a, someone who's grown up a mad rugby league fan, I've always wanted to go to the Dally M's, let alone hand out the trophies on stage and be dressed and dolled up by the hair and makeup team at Fox Sports. I was like, I remember I pulled over, squealed, replied within like 10 seconds, probably looked so desperate. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, yes. How awesome. And I know. And so that, and that was while I was still working in the comms role. And so when I did that Dally M's gig, I was, 
back in the rugby league circle and I was like, I miss this desperately. And I'm a big believer in that everything happens for a reason. And I thought that opportunity didn't come to me and land in my lap for no reason. There is, there is something behind this and I need to explore it. So I ended up after that, I got in contact with, um, with Steve Prawley, who's, um, you know, the executive producer at Fox. And I, you know, said to him, we spoke at the Dalian, so I introduced myself. Um, we had pr- prior spoken at Fox as well when I was working on reception. And I said to him, look, like I left the game way too early. I want to get back in. I will start anywhere and do anything. Please keep me in mind if any opportunity comes up, even if it, even if it is running and getting coffees. Um, and again, just the way things aligned for me, I got a phone call and he said, look, a, a role's actually popped up in our digital team. Um, I put your name forward for it. And so I had an interview and got How good this is that? role. And this wouldn't have happened because the role wasn't advertised online or I don't know if I got in early enough before it was advertised, but it wouldn't have happened if I didn't make those um, contacts on reception. Yeah. So such an important role. And putting yourself forward, like you've got yes. this opportunity at the Dally M's. That's the power of conversation, mm-hmm. just putting yep. yourself out there, which is so scary sometimes. So scary, so scary. But go you. Yeah. Like, look what, You've got just nothing the door. to lose. Yeah, I I still deal with it. Like I still deal with a bit of, you know, I'm a bit, I'm not shy, but I think I overthink situations and I I feel like I have so much to give and so much to, to offer, but I still sit back. And I kind of go, well, you know, I want to go and talk to this person and, and put something forward, but I'm really scared of rede- rejection. And like, and then sometimes, and I see it as well, like a lot of people, a lot of my friends and other people I've met throughout the industry, they might sit back and they might whinge about somebody else getting an opportunity or, you know, they might feel a bit down on themselves for not and thinking, well, I could do that or I could do a better job or whatever. And it's like, well, nobody, no one can read your mind. You need to go and pursue that opportunity and say, hey, I can do this. And what's the worst that can happen? You can get rejected. But, you know, so be it. It's better than having regret. It's so true, though. And I have been talking to a lot of people about exactly like imposter syndrome. I I was just doing an interview the other day with with an ex-footy player. I was doing a throwback article. And he said he brought up the same thing to me. He said, imposter syndrome, you need to Google it. There you go. <laughs> yep, it's a thing. I have yeah. it sometimes, but you've just got to get out of your own way sometimes and be like, yeah. no, this is important, so I'm going for it. Yeah, and we're we're our own biggest, like our own harshest critics. I used to always hear that saying, and then I was like, no, I don't but know. But, but, like, you really are because I will watch back. I'd watch back my live crosses that I was doing for Fox Sports News. I would watch back my um sideline games on the sideline and I'd pick at the smallest things that nobody else would pick up my mum would watch back and be like everybody does that you know everybody yeah. stumbles over their words you're not a yeah. robot and I'm like yeah. no I need to be perfect <laughs> I know but it's those little um it's those little characteristics that make you you yeah, mm. you're not a robot. You have to, yeah. you've just got to get out of your way sometimes. And that's awesome. <laughs> I love that story. So Dalian's obviously a massive career highlight that yeah. you didn't even really expect to get. What have been some other career highlights so far during this wonderful two years <sighs> of COVID? <laughs> um, I think definitely doing, I, it's funny. 
I did my very first and only, I haven't done one since, um, a live cross on NRL 360. And it's kind of like our, at Fox, our showpiece, you know, big dog show. Like it's a, it's a pretty big show with the most, you know, prominent journalists are on it. And I, I it's funny. I had a, um, it's, it's a double-edged sword, this one. It's a career highlight, but it's one I still, I'm staying up at night dwelling. Oh over. no, tell me what happened. <laughs> so I got, like I got, there was a, um, a judici- judiciary night where, uh, Angus Crichton and Victor Radley, two star players were at and they were going to find out their fate, whether they'd be suspended and miss state of origin. So it was a big deal. A lot of journalists were going and I got a phone call from the NRL 360 producer and he was like, Hey, would you like to do your first live cross from the judiciary? on NRL 360 and I was getting ready for my, I think I started my digital shift at 2 PM. It was on a Tuesday, which Tuesdays are massive days because you've got, um, you do team lists and teamless Tuesdays drop at four. You've got to get everything up. It's frantic as hell. And then usually cover 360 as well. And I was like, Oh, like, okay, what? And like I needed in the office for my shift at 2 p.m. And I think I got this phone call at 1 p.m. And my hair, I hadn't washed in about a week. It was slicked back in a bun. Um, I was like, oh, my God, like, uh, yes, I would. Yeah, it's happening. I'm looking in the mirror at the same time. You're like, oh, <laughs> oh, God. And he was like, yeah, you know, we just need you to, um, we'll give you live cross to you at the start of 360 and you can just tell us what's happening tonight and what we can expect at the judiciary and then go in and sit. So he gave me a rundown of what I need to do. I thought, great, I've got this. I've been waiting for this moment. This is huge. This is, this could make or break me. I've got this. Jumped in the shower, washed my hair, <laughs> rushed to the office, started my shift, um, did team lists. I was frantic as hell um, because I hadn't had a second to really do nut out what I was going to say or anything like that. Um, ran down to hair and, hair and makeup. It was also last minute. They didn't have someone there allocated to do my hair and makeup. So they kind of just rushed over me. I was, you know, a little bit all over the place. Took off, went to the judiciary. Um, you see all the, all the journalists there and they are nervous, so nervous. And they live, um, they throw to me in the live cross and I had an, an earpiece in and there was a tech, um, a, like an audio problem where there was an echo. No. And yeah. And it was like a three second delay. So everything I was saying was coming back in my ear three seconds later. And the moment I realized it threw me and it was a really difficult judiciary night as well, because it was a, it was a bits and pieces, two suspensions that were very fiddly. And I being someone that prides myself on knowing the game inside and out, I wanted to deliver all those stats and with the, with the three second delay in my ear, with my own voice, with my own thoughts, I just was like, whoa. And I, and I was so nervous and I finished it and I was shaking and I just thought, shit, shit. And then but I thought, I'm sure it was fine. Well, <laughs> afterwards I thought, you know what? They, they're going to throw back to me. I was hoping. So the deal was if there was a verdict before the end of 360, they would um, get me to do another live cross and I could present the verdict. So I'm like, great. If, at least if there's a verdict, I told them that there was an audio issue. It'd be fixed by the time I had could do my second cross and I could nail that one, you know, nerves, jitters out of the way. There was no verdict before the end of 360. So no. I had to sit on it and I remember I had to go back to the office and finish off my digital shift, which is, you know, it's so different to people who work purely and solely in TV because 
that might have been the end of their night. But that was I needed to go back and finish my digital shift. So I didn't have time to dwell on it. Um, I sat in my car in the car park at Fox and I watched it back on KO and I bawled my eyes out in the car because I was so humiliated and I didn't want people to think that that's all I had to offer. And I thought I've waited years, so long. It took eight years of work just to get to this this season where I've started to get opportunities and that was my big one and I blew it and it wasn't well, even my fault. And no. so I was mortified. You know, I sent the producer an, a, a text apologizing and he was like, don't even worry. Like that's not your fault. But I'm, you know, and everyone would say to me, it's funny because I went back, I finished my shift and for the next week or so people I would bump into the office, they would come over to me and you could tell they wanted to say like, good job, but they were also trying to give me feedback. And it was like, I don't want to, like, I love feedback, but I'm so in my head over this because I know where what went wrong. And it, I know that it wasn't really my fault. It was just the way it happened. And yeah. I'll never, and I'll learn, take the biggest lesson out of it. Now pull the earpiece out of my ear if that ever happens again. But Like I still get anxiety thinking about that moment. And I think why is because um, I thought that there would be other opportunities throughout the season. There'd be more judiciary um, moments that could go and do a live cross for. But then COVID happened and the whole competition relocated to Queensland. So any judiciary nights were done over Zoom and there was there was no need to do a live cross because there was no interview. There was no players there to interview. So I never got an opportunity um to make up for that experience. And I think it will still sit in my mind so fresh until I do get another chance yeah. to, to smash things. it out of the park. I get it. And I've had moments yeah. like that and you'll just, you grow from it yeah. and you make sure yeah. that will never happen again. And again. It's yeah, a highlight. And it's so funny because I have this thing on my social media. Like I feel like I've made so many friends and and family members and just people that I've known for years have always known that I wanted to get into rugby league. So I feel quite happy to share my little achievements on social media um, because I want people to know that I spoke to eight years ago who I worked with on reception and, you know, they've moved to England and live another life that I, you know, I did it. I did these things. I've been able to get there and do it so I take pride in sharing those things on social media and I remember sitting there you know it took me a couple of days to post this one on social media because it was like I'm not proud of how I went but I'm proud of reaching that milestone yes I don't want people to read this and then go back and find it and then look at how bad I was but at the same time I want to share this because in 10 years time if I get a Facebook memory I want it to pop up and remind me of this moment so it was like a double-edged sword but it like I, yeah, you know, in a few years time, I hope I look back at it and think of it with only good vibes. <laughs> yes, you will. I hope so. <laughs> but oh my God, like oh. in this entire two, the entire two years have been an absolute hot mess and mm. many other colorful words. So it will happen again. Oh, I hope so. But far out. I tell you what, if I get my second opportunity, I will knock that out of the park. Jeez, I'll do a mic drop at the end. Yeah. So what are some of the things on your list moving into the next year? I know we're all kind of very hesitant to make any plans or goals because they just get ripped away at the moment. But what are some of your bucket list items moving into the future for NRL? Definitely, I want to nail down the New South Wales Cup side that I'm reporting again. I think I love that. Like I'm really passionate about that, great. Um, but beyond that, I would love to do an NRL game. 
oh, I still have so much to learn before I get there. But I think with a lot of training and a lot of grooming in terms of like, you know, molding me into someone that is capable of doing that, I would have a lot to offer. So that's something I definitely want to tick off. Um, I'd love to be hosting like a magazine show on Fox where they guide the conversation between our expert analysis, our expert players. And, um, you know, I've grown up watching the footy on a Sunday afternoon in my lounge room. So to be able to sit in the studio and host a show that is going into the lounge rooms of fans, young fans that or old fans or whatever, um, it would just be a real, I don't know, 360 moment. Um, for me so that would be awesome too but those you know those things are a long way away um I'd also love to you know get a go on 360 as well um I have a lot of opinions (laughs) about footy and that's the show to air them (laughs) um so yeah but above all I think I want to create a reputation as um a, a hardworking journalist that deserves um that deserves the little wins and is reliable and is real. And yeah, like I want to have a good reputation above all because there's no point in um, achieving those things if you've essentially sold your soul and, you know. so you want some good foundations. Yeah, so I'm reaching pretty high. (laughs) I love it. I'm so excited for you. I mean, I've known you for a very long time and I've watched you grow and just chipping away every year. That's what we're all doing, right? So, yeah, and it's important to have those big dreams because Mm. why not? I need to push. I think I would get bored. I'm someone that likes to bounce around and I, I think I get bored easily. If I didn't have aspirations, I just wouldn't feel fulfilled. Like what's the point of just doing your day-by-day day stuff if you're not aiming for something. Yeah, and you're passionate about it too. So yeah. that's what makes it so exciting as well when you've got that passion behind you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for spending the afternoon with My me. pleasure. Really appreciate it. And we just, it's so exciting to see you grow. And I know this year's been such a hot mess, but you're going to do great things. So I was excited to talk oh. about all things career with Das. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful off season and I'll see you next season. Thank you so much for tuning in today. To advertise or to sponsor this podcast, you can head to patreon.com or contact JLD directly via the links in this show. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you may be listening from. That is all from me today. Have a wonderful rest of the week and until next time.